The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. I do have a friend here who, uh, whom I play basketball with that I met, and I really don't want y'all to talk to him, okay? Because he might tell you about my skill level, and I don't want you to know anything about that. It's, it's interesting to go uh, play uh, ball on a, a weekly basis and to get a little older. Um, you have to understand what your role is. And it's always fun to be on a team, uh, and I didn't really mean that I don't want y'all to talk to him. I guess what I meant is I don't want him to talk to y'all about my basketball skill. Uh, so, uh, but it, it's interesting when you get on a team where everybody understands what their role is, you can, you can experience a great time. But if you get on a team where somebody doesn't understand what their role is, um, and they're not playing the role they need to be playing, it can be an extremely frustrating experience. And you experience that quite often when you play pickup ball because you never know what kind of team that you're going to get on. And I, I certainly, at this stage in my life, I understand my role. My role is to score a basket occasionally, try to get some rebounds and set some good picks. Um, and if I get outside of that role and I start trying to do too much, I can be much more frustrating to my teammates. I always, at this um, stage in my life, I want a couple of young guys who are really good shooters on my team so I can have an extended time to stay on the court because I know that I just cannot get it done the way that I used to think I could get it done. Um, I don't know if I could get it done then either, but at least I thought I could and had the energy to do it. And so, so you want to be able to play your role. And so it's, it's important to understand what your role is in a particular experience to make the most out of it. And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's a role for us to play, but then there's a role that the Holy Spirit plays. I think it's incredibly important for us to understand as we think about the good stuff, like the good stuff that God wants to do in our lives. We've been looking at a, a lot of different um, passages of Scripture, the good soil, how God wants to um, use us. He wants to plant inside of us things for the kingdom to grow and bring forth, you know, a hundredfold um, uh, uh, production of, of just just. The, the kingdom multiplying, if you will. And so when we, we, last week we talked about being in a good fight and just understanding that there's a good fight of the faith that we're to be engaged in. I think when we get to today's um, talk, that this is extremely important because we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we think in terms of the Holy Spirit, what do we mean by that? Well, we mean, really, it's the same thing we mean when we say Jesus or the same thing that we mean when we say God. Uh, when we talk about the Trinity, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But often the Holy Spirit gets treated a little bit differently, uh, potentially, than um, Jesus does. Like, we, we don't think of it in the, the same way, but we should. Like, the Holy Spirit is God, and He plays a role in our lives. And so when we think in terms of what it means to have faith, we want to be the kind of people that are described in the New Testament. A quick reading of the book of Acts, we see that these are people who are filled with zeal. They're filled with passion. They have a fire about them. They're accomplishing things for the kingdom. We see a whole lot of good stuff happening in the midst of terrible circumstances in the early church. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 12, where Paul teaches us that um, we are to have faith that is fervent. He uses the word zeal. It is to boil. It is to be hot. And so we're to have this white hot fervency in our faith that helps us to move the kingdom forward. And what keeps us on fire is our ability to listen 
and obey God. And when we hear the voice of God, remember Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, they listen and they follow me. And so when we hear the Lord say something and we listen to that and we step into it and we obey it, what we experience is the joy that Jesus describes becoming complete in us. Because when the Spirit of God does his work in us and we are playing our role and he is playing his role, there's this synergy that takes place. And in the midst of that synergy, our faith is, um, it's, it's, it burns hotter. It's like throwing another log on the fire and things are stoked. And, and it has this domino effect to begin to move the kingdom forward. Now, what's interesting is it's difficult to do this. It, it is difficult to do this, but it is an easy thing to do. So even in the midst of like we're heading toward Easter, like one of the easiest times to get your friends to come to church with you is in the next couple of weeks. These people are focused on church and they will come on Easter. Yet when I talk about us having, you know, uh, these invitations and us inviting our friends, it's a very difficult thing for us to do. Why is it so hard to open our mouths and invite somebody to church? Like it's pretty easy as far as the task is, is concerned, but for some reason, it's a very difficult thing for us to do. Um, and, and I think it is because the things that we are to obey, they, they feel like this, um, like you, you approach them and even though they're easy to do, like opening up, maybe sharing a scripture, maybe, maybe you feel at work, like somebody's going through a difficult trial, they're struggling or something and you feel the need just to, to, to pray for them and you say, Hey, I'll pray for you instead of just saying, hey, can, we, can I pray for you right now? I mean, it's not a hard thing to do. You, you talk to the Lord and you just say, hey, Lord, I invite you into this situation. Would you help this individual? It's not a hard thing for us to, to pray a prayer, but very difficult for us to enter into that moment and say, say, can we pray right now? Can I pray for you right now? Easy task but hard to do, and it feels insurmountable. It feels like this weight crushing down in on us. Why is that the case? It is because to follow Jesus is to be active in warfare, okay? It is to be active in a battle. This is why Paul calls it a good fight when he's talking to Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he says, I fought the good fight of faith. And over and over, we hear it about, described as, I, 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 I work like I, I run like I'm in a race, and so over and over, we see this striving, we see this exercise of ac accomplishing these things that really aren't that difficult when we think about them, but there's something that's making them very difficult. And that is because there is an enemy that we are engaging against, against as we engage in this battle. And the most effective strategy that we can implement is to understand the role of the Holy Spirit and to see ourselves in the midst of a battle. Like you, you have to see if you are going to really invite some people to come to church with you. Um, you know, you, you're going to have to see yourself in the midst of a battle and understand that's just not going to happen. And it's not just going to just be this easy thing. Now, I think the more you engage in battle, the more, the, the easier it becomes for you because what happens is the task never becomes easier because it's always wrapped up in, a, in an experience of spiritual warfare. Because you never know what's going on in somebody else's life. Their marriage may be about to fall apart. Um, they may be uh, you know, struggling with addiction. And, and you never know this stuff. 
And, and so one of the reasons the enemy doesn't want us stepping into another person's life and inviting them into our faith experience is because of all of the freedom that can take place in someone's life when they begin to hear the, the gospel and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and start walking with him and they start listening and they start obeying and all of a sudden the joy of the Lord enters their life and their faith becomes white hot. See, there, there's a force trying to keep the kingdom of God from breaking out all around us. There's a force trying to keep the kingdom of God breaking out in this church. There's a force trying to keep the kingdom of God from breaking out in your school. Like There's a force that is trying to keep the kingdom of God from breaking out in your family. And that force is a force that is in an active spiritual war against the kingdom of God. And, and it warred against Jesus. We should not be surprised by this. It is, it is all about what we believe as followers of Christ. Like we see in Jesus, we see this incredibly loving individual. But if you boil it right down, what you see is a warrior who is attacking the evil of hell and all of its existence in the world. And, and we see him going to the cross in the midst of a battle. And we see him showing us and modeling for us, this is what it means to be a part of my kingdom and to have faith in me. And so over and over, we see that, that Jesus is calling us into this battle. When we study the gospel of John, we see in, in John chapter 17, John, John chapter 16, 17, and 18, Jesus, as right before he goes to the crucifixion, he starts unpacking all of this idea about it's good for me to go away from, from you because when I go, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send um, uh, the paracleti is the Greek word, and it is, he's, he's describing the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to come back, what he's basically saying, in a spiritual form, the third person of the Trinity, and I am going to be with you. I'm going to not only be with you as you become a child of mine and you receive spiritual life by confessing your sins and saying that I believe that Jesus Christ is, you believe that he is God in the flesh, Jesus says, I am going to, in that experience, I'm going to enter into you. And so when I enter into you as, as the Holy Spirit, I'm going to indwell you. I'm going to move in the midst of your life. And the more that you listen to me as your shepherd, Jesus says to us, the more freedom you're going to experience, the more joy you're going to experience, and the more victory you're going to have in this battle. And, and victory, we know, brings about joy. And defeat brings about despair, doesn't it? We know that from last night, don't we? We ain't Jayhawk fans here. It's like, oh, man. Like, you just want to see them win, unless you're a K-State fan, right? I, saw, I talked to some of them to, before service, and they were just happy. <laughs> but, and I won't tell you who they were, but, but they were. Uh, so, so we look at that, and we see when, when we have victory... Like it just brings about a sense of accomplishment. Now, when we have victory in the Lord and for the kingdom and God is moving and the spirit is in us and we allow him to have complete control, not only will he dwell in us, there is another thing that, that the New Testament describes as walking in the fullness of the spirit. So we have to understand that being indwelt with the spirit and being full of the spirit are two different things. To be indwelt with the Spirit is to be a believer in Christ in whom God has changed us into the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now God, 
the Holy Spirit resides in us because we have placed our faith and trust in him alone for salvation. We acknowledge that we're sinners. We acknowledge there's nothing we can do to please God. We just recognize that we are broken people in need of forgiveness. We invite Christ into our lives and the Spirit indwells us. Well, once he indwells us, he wants to fill us. He wants to move in our midst. And so as we think in terms of being in a battle, what are some of the things we can expect the Holy Spirit to do? And and I want to encourage you today. I want you to get this word so that you can go out and you can do good stuff for the kingdom. Because as you do good stuff for the kingdom, and I don't mean like being a Uh, just good deeds, which good deeds will flow out of it, but they have to flow in the right way that you're accomplishing good eternal stuff. You're not trying to work your way into a pleasing uh, state with God. You just realize that God is already pleased with you. And you, you just celebrate and you allow God to do good stuff in you because you belong to him. You're a child of his. He indwells you. He wants to feel you. He wants to work in the midst of your life. And as you, as you walk in that, then God begins to, he just begins to produce fruit in your life. And that's where we started in week one with the good soil, that God wants you to be good soil that he can produce a, a hundredfold crop in and you can do and accomplish things for his kingdom. And so when we think in terms of what are some of the things we can expect the Holy Spirit to do? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit chooses people. And so it's good that he chooses people. Look at this um, uh, passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll start in verse 9, but this is really interesting. If you look at the Old Testament and you study the Old Testament, and you compare it to the New Testament, and we, we see that the old and the new, what, what shifts? Because everything shifts in the New Testament. Well, a lot of scholars, someone has said that the New Testament will shed light on the Old Testament. So it it helps us to understand the Old Testament a lot more. But there's always a shift that is taking place when we get to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God's people had a priesthood. They were from the tribe, the the Levitical tribe, and they were set apart, and they were to be the priests of, of the Israelites. And so in the Old Testament, God's people had a priesthood. In the New Testament, God's people are a priesthood. So in the Old, there was a segment of, of, the, of the, the community, if you will, that served as the priests of God. But in the New Testament, we see that all of the people are priests of God. Look at um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And Peter tells us, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so Peter is telling us, man, he's saying, look, the Holy Spirit chooses us as priests to declare his praises. Like God does a work in our lives for one purpose, not just, not just so we can enjoy life. That's just kind of one of the benefits that comes from it. He does it in order to declare his praises. 
to make us priests. And so God looks down at the world, he looks down at the earth, and as Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, we have God the Father, God the Son, whom has sent God the Holy Spirit to invade the world. But the Holy Spirit invades the world by indwelling the people of God. And God looks down and he, he sees and he moves and he just chooses people. Like I look at my own life and here I am preaching the gospel. Why do I get to preach the gospel? Because God chose me. Like, it's not because I became equipped and trained for it. It's because the Lord chose me. He just looked down and said, I, I want to choose to do a work in Jimmy Holbrook's life. He invades my life. He begins to equip me, and he calls me into the ministry. And it's all a result of me just surrendering and to him fully and him continuing to work in my life and taking me down a path of declaring his praises. And here I find myself today preaching and teaching to you from his word because he chose me. And so like, if you know the Lord, like if you've met the Lord, he chose you. And, and, and it's not because you are a good person. The Bible teaches us very plainly, there is none righteous, no, not one. A quick reading of the uh, book of Romans, and we can find that we are enemies of God before we meet him. And so it is when God chooses us. So, so we look at historically in the nation of Israel. What does God do? He chooses a weak individual person in Abraham, and he makes a promise to him. And then he grows Abraham into the nation of Israel. And out of the nation of Israel, the Messiah comes, Jesus Christ, lion of the tribe of Judah. He comes into the world. He dies for the sins of humanity. He goes back to God the Father. He sends back down God the Holy Spirit to do what? Choose people. Like, you are a priest. You are a royal priesthood a holy nation. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? We like to think of the priest as wearing a black shirt and a white collar. You are priests of God. If you have met Christ, then you are a priest of God. Now, why does God make you into a priest? So that you can declare his praises. So that you can declare, he says, we once did not have mercy, but now we have mercy. So we declare to people who've never experienced the mercy, there is mercy. <laughs> like, I love mercy. Like, you're looking at a very screwed up individual. Now, that's what I'm talking about right there. Okay? And so... I, I am messed up, but the mercy of God has covered up my mess. And so I declare the praise of his mercy. I once was in darkness, but now I'm in light. And why has God made me a priest? So I can declare that I, you don't have to remain in darkness. I, like I used to just love being in my sinful state and staying there rebelling against God. But then when the spirit of God came into my life and I yielded to him, then I just love being with the Lord. And so I love knowing more about him. And then he continues to increase my freedom. He continues to increase the joy and the peace that passes all understanding. He continues to move in my life. And, and I want to declare to people, listen, I once was in darkness, but now I have been in the light, and, and that's available to you. And so we, these are the things that, that he, he's called us and made us into a priesthood. Each one of us who know him personally, we are a priesthood of believers who declare to the world the deliverance 
that is available to us. And so here's the deal. We bring heaven to earth. Like we bring it here. So like, you know, I was talking to Abby. She was trying to prepare um, for, for a talk we were sharing with the youth a couple of weeks. And she's like, I got to get ready. And I said, Abby, is heaven in you? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, you just let it out. You don't have to over-prepare for getting up and talking about what Christ has done in your life. If heaven is in you, just let heaven out because you are a priest of God who can let it out and you bring heaven to earth. Jesus taught us, he said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is Jesus teaching us? He's saying, listen, we are the catalysts that bring heaven to earth. How do we bring heaven to earth? By walking with the Lord as priests of God. And so this is powerful information. When I see myself as one of the chosen, I begin to get motivated to do what? To get into the battle. If I'm not walking in the midst of the battle, then I'm not functioning as a priest and playing the role that God wants me to play. And so the, when we look at the role of the Holy Spirit, what is his role? His role is to choose people. And as we become one of the chosen, then our role is to walk in intimacy and fellowship with him and to begin to declare the praises of God, the mercy of God, the, the deliverance of God. So, so we look at him, man, man, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you need, to, you need to just walk into school tomorrow, walk into work, and you just need to be like a priest has just shown up on the, on the place. Like you need to see yourself that way. You need to go to work. You, when you get home from work and you've had a long, tired day and you pull into the garage and you're kind of exhausted and you, you're looking at the, the, the opportunity to go in and minister to your, your, your family, and you go, okay, I'm going to take a breath and then just picture myself, I'm a priest of God. And I'm going to walk in and minister to this family. And as you begin to see yourself as a priest of God, you begin to get motivated to do battle against the enemy who is constantly trying to hold back the kingdom of God. And so the Holy Spirit chooses people. But not only am I a chosen person, the Holy Spirit anoints people. He anoints people. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. He says, as for you, and he's writing to Christians, okay, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as, as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. And so he's teaching us here that when I step into a situation, whatever, I'm, whatever situation I'm stepping into, I choose to see myself as an anointed force because that's what I am. Now what, well, this is not a word that we use a lot, uh, anointed. It's kind of a spiritual word. What, it, what does it mean? It, it has several different meanings, um, but basically what, it, what it's saying to us is that we are set apart. Like in the Old Testament, they, they anointed Aaron as the first priest. Aaron was a brother to Moses. And when they delivered Israel and they came out of the bondage of Egypt and, and, and Aaron was anointed as a priest of God. It was a foreshadowing of what was going to happen to the believer in the New Testament. So they put oil on his head and it ran down him and it was a symbol to all the people that Aaron had been set apart for a divine work. 
And so when we look at ourselves and, and we go, okay, I'm anointed, what does it mean? It means that I am set apart for a special divine purpose. But not only does the word carry the idea of uh, being set apart, it, 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 it means that I've been empowered. And so the anointing of God means that there is a power that comes over me for the specific divine purpose that God has for me. Uh, So for for instance, the best thing I think I could use to illustrate is right now in this moment, I believe that, and and I try to enter this moment every time I, as Paul does, did, I want to be in agreement that my preaching and teaching would be by the demonstration of the spirit and its power, not by the eloquence of my words. And so I want the anointing of God to empower me to preach the gospel. Why? Because I don't want to just come and entertain you and and tell you some nice little homily that, uh, homily that, uh, homily, that's what we eat, Uh, uh, that that encourages you and you go on about your week and go, oh, I just really feel encouraged by that. No, no, no. You are a priest of God and I want the spirit-filled anointing preaching coming into your life where the Holy Spirit is hitting you right where you need to be encouraged and encouraging you right where you need to be encouraged and challenging you where you need to be challenged and convicting you where you need to be convicted. So why? So that you can be the priest of God that God, he has chosen and you can be set apart for the divine purpose and empowered by the Holy Spirit for the special work that he has lined out for you to accomplish that week. So, so the anointing of the Spirit comes to not only set us apart for a work, but to empower us. And then one of my favorite things about the anointing is, is protects us. Um, they would use the term anointing um, during this, this time that this was, text was written, and they would anoint their so- swords with oil. Why? The same reason we anoint our guns and, and knives with oil today, to protect them from outside elements. And so we are anointed in the fact that God protects us when we're walking with him in the fullness of his spirit. He can take us into places that may be perceived as dangerous for our reputation, dangerous for our our well-being. God can take us into those places. He has anointed us. He has protected us from the outside elements. Why? Because he has set us apart for a divine purpose that he has enabled us with the power and he will protect us in the midst of the battle. But guess what? If we're not in the battle... What use is there in protecting us? What use is there in receiving a, a new, fresh anointing? Like you get a gun out and you use it and you wipe it down and you clean it and you, you um, oil it and you put it back up. But if you've done that before, there's no need to get it back out. If it's never getting into the battle, there's never any reason to recondition and re, re-protect it because it's not being used. But if a person is in the midst of the battle and he's constantly engaging in the spiritual warfare, then there's constantly a need for God to continue to fill and anoint that individual. And we are missing a blessing if we are not in the battle. You see, we're designed to be in the midst of this spiritual battle, um, conquering new territory for the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom expanding and growing as the seed gets into good soil, it produces for the kingdom of God, some 60, some some 100 fold. But God wants to produce in us. And so the the anointing is how God does it. And, And we need to realize that this is the norm for New Testament believers. Like this, this is not like, this is just what it teaches. I am anointed with the Holy Spirit and we need to choose to see ourselves that way. But not only are we chosen by the Holy Spirit and anointed people of God, but we are filled with truth. 
And so God, he chooses us, he anoints us, and then he begins to fill us with truth. Because I am chosen and anointed, I am loaded with truth that many people do not possess. Now, this is so very important. Not everybody possesses the truth that a person who has been saved by the Holy Spirit and indwelt with the Holy Spirit, not everybody that we're living among possesses that same truth. And and we must be aware of that. That is why the enemy makes something that is so easy, so hard to follow through with, because the truth sets people free. What did Jesus say in John chapter 8? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. So as people encounter the truth that we're filled with, they are supposed to be experiencing freedom in their lives. If the truth is contained, then people remain in captivity. But if the truth is let out, people are set free. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this about the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, does that mean that you're going to be able to foretell the future? No. What it means is, is there's a spirit of God when we're walking in sweet fellowship with the Lord, that the Holy Spirit will prepare our hearts for any difficult circumstance that may be waiting for us right around the corner. Like, I cannot tell you how many times that I have, before I found out about the crisis or the experience that was difficult to navigate through, the Lord had already prepared my heart, and he prepared me for what was about to come. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit, is he fills us with truth, he guides us, he helps us um, to, to be able to accomplish what? The divine purpose that he has laid out for us. Now, in John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, what does sanctify them mean? Well, sanctification is this process of spiritual growth. And so when I come into the kingdom and the spirit of God moves in to my life, he indwells me and I have met him, I come to know the Lord. Then after that, I begin walking with him and in obedience, he takes me through this process of spiritual growth. And so one of the things that, that I think has really hurt the American church is that we have made it all about that decision. Is that when you come into the kingdom, you are now a part of the kingdom, so let us find somebody else to get into the kingdom. And we don't focus on developing ourselves spiritually. But the, the, the idea here is, is that when I come into the kingdom and I meet the Lord and I'm born again and I'm what we would call, I'm saved from my sins for what? For the eternal work of the kingdom. It means that I am to go through this birthing process over and over. Not, not in a salvation sense of the eternal destiny of my soul, but in the sense of what God wants to birth in my life. And so God constantly wants the kingdom of God to break out in my life in a new way. And so I am am to step into these experiences and learn how to do what? Listen to the Lord and obey his voice. Listen to the Holy Spirit and recognize what the Holy Spirit is is saying to me and be able to step into that experience through faith with obedience. So why? That the kingdom of Christ can be unleashed and, and truth can set people free because I'm filled with truth and his word is truth. And as I allow that to happen in my life, I continue down this journey and the kingdom not only breaks out in someone else's life, it continues to break out in my life. And so heaven is in me. 
And as heaven is in me, it needs to come out of me. Why? Because this is why Jesus chose me through the power of the Holy Spirit to be a royal priest who was anointed by him and filled with truth so that the kingdom of God could advance and the seed could produce a hundredfold. Like This is the way this works, man. If, if this is not happening in your life, you are not experiencing what it means to follow Jesus. Like you may be experiencing a form of religion, but if this is not happening, like this it's the New Testament. This is what it's all about. And, and so the, like the Lord, he, he starts to speak into our lives and we're loaded with truth. Why? Because we are sanctified and we go through the spiritual growth process. And what is the, it that sanctifies it? His word is truth. So as I rest in the word, the truth of God washes over me and it helps me to live the life that I've been set apart for. And it helps me to enter into the battle and fight the good fight of faith so that the gospel could be advanced and the king could break out in the world through my life as a priest of God. And, and, and when that happens, man, it's like everything else is meaningless. Nothing else compares to that experience right there. Everything else is just kind of connected to that experience, but that experience becomes the number one thing. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto you. He who looks for his life will lose it, but those who um, lose their life for my sake will find it. What's that mean? It means those who realize that when I do a work in their lives, they are priests of God and they start living like priests, everything else in your life will work out because you're doing the one thing that you were designed to do for all eternity. Don't let the little window of the moment of time that you're living on this side of eternity rob you of all that you are designed to be forever and ever and ever and ever. So the Holy Spirit chooses people. The Holy Spirit anoints people. He fills people with truth. And then it's so cool, it kind of put all this together, what I've been talking about, the Holy Spirit works through people. He works in us to hit the target he is aiming at with us. And so the word sin... You know what the word sin is? It's the word harmatia, and it means falling short. Uh, they, they would use it in, in the, during the time that this was written uh, as an uh, archery term, which I love that, amen? The more we can do about archery, the better. And so they would say that it was missing the bullseye, missing the mark. That's what sin is, missing the mark. And so as the Lord says, that the, or as we look at the, the work, the Lord works in us, if you want to hit the target, you have to be a person. If you're taking dead aim at something, you have to be steady and ready before you pull the trigger. Now, in the instance of the metaphor, taking it over to, well, if I am a, a weapon of the Lord, if I am, if you will, an arrow in the hands of God, who is the archer, and he is aiming me through the guiding of truth that is in me because he has filled me with truth. He's anointed me for a special purpose that he's protecting me, that he's chosen me. So he chooses me out of his quiver and then he aims me. And as he protects me and, and puts me in a, a certain direction, then he's going to pull the trigger and I must be steady and ready for him to pull that trigger. If I'm not steady, whenever that trigger is pulled, then the arrow is liable to go anywhere. And so Paul, or Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. What are you supposed to give yourselves to? Fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so our labor for the Lord, as I was just describing, is eternal. It's the most important stuff that we do. 
Like anything else that we accomplish, if it is not labor for the Lord, it, 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 it doesn't have the ability to pass through the judgment fire of Christ. In the same book in, in Corinthians, Paul talks about um, that, that, that whenever we go through the judgment, some things are wood, hay, and stubble. Other things are gold, silver, precious stone. What does he mean by that? Some things that we are engaging in for the Lord as it goes through the fiery judgment of Christ, it is, it doesn't pass through. But then there's some stuff that goes through and as it goes through the fiery judgment of Christ, it is refined and becomes more brilliant. And that is the work of the Lord. And so he's saying to us that our labor is not in vain. Our our labor for the Lord is eternal. It's the most important stuff we do. So it's important for us to understand that that we we have to be steady. We can't be jerking around. We can't be like a, a man whose faith wavers in and out, in and out, back and forth, up and down. We gotta get in it, man. We gotta get in it. We gotta be steady. And we gotta know that we have to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And then when we are steady and ready, God can squeeze our triggers. And then he launches us where? Into new territory. To do what? To advance the kingdom. Why should I be concerned about that? It's the abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come to give you life. Life abundantly. How's he going to do that? He's going to choose me as a priest of God. He's going to anoint me as a priest of God. He's going to fill me with his truth. And he's going to use me to accomplish the work of the kingdom. The big idea is the Holy Spirit does good stuff in people. He wants to do some good stuff in your life. He wants to stretch you. He wants, he wants to see you walking in ways like that you never even knew were possible. He wants you to function on the planet as a priest of God. If we don't see ourselves this way, we will not accomplish God's agenda for our lives. And so seeing ourselves as tools, if you will, creates the confidence and boldness necessary to step into the moments for the Lord to do great things in our lives. I'm chosen, I'm anointed, I'm filled, and Jesus does work through me. Is he working through you today? Like, Does Jesus do work through your life? Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www dot overlandpark dot cc